This is the Tao of Christ, and I am Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. Others call it non-dual awareness, liberation, enlightenment, or spiritual awakening. It is the heart of all spiritual traditions. This is the Tao of Christ. Good morning, this is Marshall Davis. In the last episode, I presented Jesus' non-dual approach to Scripture. Jesus refers mostly to the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures, the books of Moses, which he calls the Law. And Jesus said that he was not abolishing the Law, the Scriptures, but fulfilling them. Literally, that means he's filling them full. He fills them with new meaning. He shows how they point beyond traditional teachings to something deeper. In this episode, I'm going to show how non-duality underlies Jesus' ethics. His ethical teachings in the Sermon on the Mount have a pattern. First, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, and then he quotes a passage from the Torah. And then he adds, but I say to you, and then he gives his teaching. In other words, he says, the Bible says this, but I say this. But he's not negating what the Bible says. He's building upon it and completing it, fulfilling it. I'm going to take each of these sayings and this section of the Sermon on the Mount and see how his teachings reflect a non-dual ethic that goes beyond dualistic understandings of right and wrong, us and them. Living in non-duality is entirely different than living by moral rules and laws and principles. When one is aware of the non-dual reality that unites everything, we live naturally out of this non-dual nature rather than having to try to figure out with our heads what we need to do. Jesus calls us walking in the spirit as opposed to obeying the law. The first commandment Jesus addresses is a commandment against murder. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. He goes on there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here. I can't cover every single verse in this section here. But I'll cover enough so that you can interpret the rest if you want. Laws against killing people are important for order in society. They are necessary and not to be abolished, as Jesus says. But they are of limited value when it comes to deeper spirituality. It takes little effort for most of us to refrain from murdering people. So Jesus takes this to a deeper level. He leads us into self-inquiry. He leads us to examine where the urge to hurt others comes from. And he identifies it as anger. Where does anger come from? It comes from the ego. Ego is protecting itself. And one way it does that is with anger. 
we feel threatened in some way and we, we respond emotionally to protect ourselves, ourself. Now, we may do that with angry violence in extreme cases, but we can also do it with angry words. So Jesus says, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. Now, Raka is one of those rare examples of an Aramaic word that has come into the New Testament, into the Greek text. This Aramaic word is the worst insult you can think of. So imagine the worst words that a person can call someone else when they're angry with them. Now, I don't want to say these words, but I'm sure you can think of some colorful terms. Those are the equivalent of raka. Then he goes on to say, and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So it's not just calling someone crude names, but even calling someone a fool. Those insults come from somewhere, he's calling our attention to where? They come from fear. We are afraid at a deep level, and so we lash out. Now, he mentions in these verses judgment and hell, and I'm not going to get into those subjects in depth. I've done that elsewhere, but I feel like I need to at least address it in passing. From a non-dual perspective, he's not talking about some apocalyptic event or place that people will experience sometime in the future. It's only here and now. From a non-dual perspective, when he's talking about judgment, he's talking about guilt here and now. When he's talking about hell, he's talking about the hell that people make of their lives here and now by being consumed with guilt and with judgment and with anger. Anger is the inner hellfire that burns within us, and sometimes it can boil over into hateful words or even violence, which in turn creates hell for others. Jesus is leading us into self-inquiry to address these inner dimensions of guilt and judgment and suffering and fear. The source of all of this is the ego, and when the ego is seen through, that anger and hate and violence dissipate. The second issue Jesus deals with is adultery. This is another one of God's top ten. He says, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, he says more here, but to simplify, I'll stop right here. Jesus, again, encourages self-inquiry. He goes beyond the act of adultery to the source of adultery, which he identifies as lust. Lust originates in the body, but not just the body. And to make the point, you, Jesus uses the argument of reductio ad absurdum. He suggests here that we cut off the offending parts of the body whether that be the eye or the hand or some other part. Some people have actually taken Jesus literally. Augustine, for example, castrated himself. That's misinterpreting Jesus. We're not supposed to take him literally here. Not cutting off offending body parts, and you won't have much of a body left. Jesus' teaching technique here is to take it to an extreme 
in order to get people to think in new ways by su suggesting something preposterous. Investigate lust, and you see that this, like all emotions and physical sensations, is simply energy in the body. Just a little bit of observation, a little bit of meditation will show you that. Sensations arise and they, they fade in the body. They ebb and they flow. And we don't have to catch on to them and act upon them. We can just let them continue to come and go and watch them as they come and go, kind of like clouds blowing through the sky. We are not these bodily urges. We are the spaciousness, the space that these physical and mental energies flow through. And you can see that, experience that for yourself. Act from the space and not from the energy flowing through the space. That's non-dual ethics. Jesus follows up his teaching on adultery by relaying it to divorce. And it's the same approach, so I won't repeat it here. The next subject he addresses is oaths. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people of long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So this is about keeping the promises that we keep. When we do self-inquiry into oath-making, into the promise-keeping process, it quickly leads to the issue of who is making the promises. And we see it is the ego. It is the individual personal self who likes to think of itself as in control of our of everything. But for, if it were really in control, it wouldn't have to make oaths and promises in the first place. That's what Jesus is getting at. He says, just say yes or no. Leave it at that. Anything more is from the evil one. And as I said before in another episode, the evil one is simply a symbol for the ego. The next eth ethical issue Jesus addresses has application to all sorts of situations. He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. He follows up in a few verses with this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. In these verses, Jesus comes to the heart of how identity determines ethics. He says, do not resist an evil person, which we've just identified as the ego. So he's telling us not only how to relate to other people, identified as the evil person, but how to relate to our own ego which is the real issue. If you fight it, it only grows stronger. So the solution is non-resistance, says Jesus. When the ego has nothing to fight against, it just dissipates. 
that's how we are we are to relate to other egos as well. Egos are the problem in the spiritual life and in relationships. If we view people from our ego as enemy egos that are a threat to ourself, then we will act accordingly. But if we see all as essentially one, then there is no other to fear. Then we love others as ourselves because we see that they are ourself. They are us. As I have often said, there's only one self in the universe, and that self is incarnated in every person we meet, whether friend or foe. Look into the eyes of another person, and you will recognize the same self looking back. So loving others, even our enemies, is loving ourself from the self, the true self. The ego, on the other hand, always defends itself. That's its nature. And that's what Jesus' statement here about being slapped on the cheek is all about. He's not talking about a fist bite here. He's talking about insult to the ego. The ego justifies self-defense by making people into enemies. Likewise, the body also defends itself naturally. That's built into the body by evolution. It's the will to survive. That's why the law allows for self-defense. Jesus is going beyond the law and beyond the natural reaction of the ego and the body. Non-duality reveals that we are not the body or the ego. And for that reason, non-dual ethics goes beyond protecting the ego or the body. This is what the cross is all about. Now, this approach is radical and revolutionary in ethics. It means we are free from obeying body-mind instincts, opens up all kinds of other possibilities. Most importantly, it opens up the way for our true nature, which is unconditional love, to operate through these body-minds. That leads to loving nonviolence in all areas of life. The true nature, the spirit, as the scripture calls it, can then guide us. When we live from non-dual awareness, moral actions come spontaneously and natural, naturally. We are whole, complete. That's why Jesus ends this section with the words, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. The Greek word here translated perfect means whole, complete, mature, fulfilled, one. Jesus saying, be complete, be one with God. Then oneness directs our ethical choices. This is non-dual ethics. And that is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net.
My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.